Recorded live. Pamela? How you doing? Hello? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. You're fine. All right. Just wanted to make sure. Now, is it Pamela or Tamela? It's Tamela, but a lot of people call me Tam, so whichever is comfortable for you. Okay, not a problem. (laughs) How you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. So glad that we could finally get on the line. I know we haven't been able to meet face-to-face, but this is kind of our meeting. Um, Okay. Where are you located? I'm in Detroit, Michigan. Oh, you're in Detroit, okay. Yeah. All Mm -hmm. right, good, good, good. All right, so um, these calls will take place until we have all the information I need to go ahead and start um, writing. So the more we do these calls, the quicker, you know, I can um, speed in the writing process, if you want to say. And, okay. Um, all I want you to do is talk. I don't want you to talk to me um, in a fashion of, well, I should say it this way so she can write it this way. I just want you to be as natural as you possibly can. If you think, if you can think I'm your best friend and just say everything that you need to say, even if it's um, a little strange to you or mm-hmm. you may think it's strange to me, I just need you to be totally open, totally honest, so I can understand where you're coming from and make sure that we go in the right direction with the book. Okay. Okay, so we're going to start with a few basic questions tonight, and then as we continue the calls, we'll pick up where we left off and um, keep going that way. Okay. So um, tell me, and I know we discussed this, but we want it on the call. Tell me um, what kind of book you want to write and why you want to write it. I want to write a mental health book um, to bring more awareness to our community. Uh, And I say our community, I mean everyone. Mm-hmm. about uh, challenges that family members go through when they're dealing with a loved one that has mental health. Okay, okay. All right, loved ones that have mental health. Loved ones, um, are there any loved ones in particular or just loved ones, period? Loved ones, period. Basically, um, spouses, uh, it could be a mother and ch- a child, it could be um a cousin, anybody, because it it affects the whole family. Okay. To some okay. to some sort, yes, it affects the whole family to some point. 
Okay, so let's go back a little bit. Why do you think this is important to our community? I think it's important because from different situations, I mean, we're working in healthcare. Um, one, we I see a lot of, I'll say, patients, family members come in and say, well, we just thought something was wrong with him, but we didn't think it was that bad. Um, also, from me going through what I went through in my first marriage, I always tried to cover up everything to make things look good on the outside, even though I know I was going through a lot inside my home. And then my third reason is because um, when I grew up, my father, I didn't know it as a child what was going on. I just knew my mother was having a hard time. Um, Now that I'm older, he uh, suffered from schizophrenia, so... um, it's like now I'm patching, putting it all together when I remember certain things from my childhood about him. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, now that me and my mother are more open about it and we talk. I remember we we were, I was, like, probably seven or eight. I don't know exact the exact age. I just know I had ponytails in my hair when I have, when I try to visualize it back, that um, we went to a hospital, and I saw everybody, you know, different people in there, they were like uh, they had on the straight jacket, but I'm like this. Now that I'm older, of course, working mm. in healthcare, I know that wasn't a regular hospital. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. So he we went to visit him in a mental institution at the time, um, but I always associated with he was my dad was just in the hospital. To me, I think that my mother should have seeked out um, more information about his condition. Um, it would have helped her. It would have helped me. Um, I think she just tried to deal with it, and she kept it bottled up inside, um, which gave her other stress in other situations. Okay. All right. Um, which I think in the end made me mimic dealing with stuff in my first marriage until I knew that this is not normal. Okay. Sometimes I have to go back and answer some questions for some from the things you said. So I have to write okay. the questions down so we can revisit it. And I'll be asking a lot of questions, but we're going to get into it. No problem. I'm <laughs> okay. ready. I'm ready. Whatever. Don't hesitate. If I do, you know, I might have to come back on it to the next call, but don't hesitate. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> now, you said that you were in uh, health care. What field are you in? Um, well, I work in the e- – I'm an EKG technician. Okay. So currently I work at Children's Hospital, but I've worked at the adult hospitals. I've did trauma, um, so I've been all over, from medical billing to what I do now. Oh, okay. So the back end and kind of the front end, you, you've been back and forth. And then yes. is that the field you want to be in? Um. As of now, because I do have a degree in information technology, but okay. I'm, you know, going into the entrepreneur field where I have the love for reading and I'm promoting reading because I have the nonprofit for the 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 youth in the community. But I'm also um, looking now for a building because I'm planning on opening up a book bar. So, 
Oh, that's gonna be uh, awesome. Yeah, so you know, going through the transition of getting the liquor license and all that stuff. So okay. it's it's like a big difference because people like you into books, but you was into healthcare. So you know, it's a big thing. But the love for reading that I have has when I when I what gained me to have a love for reading it taught me so much because I started reading self help books, which made me get out of my marriage to let me know I was in a toxic marriage. So that's why I'm promoting the reading because. Just because you don't read as a child, you can pick up reading anytime right. exactly. to educate yourself. Yeah. yeah, so I didn't read a lot as a child, but as an adult, I'm an avid reader. Okay. Um, hold on a sec. Now, you mentioned um, people of color saying mm-hmm. um, we didn't know it was that bad. Um, right. What do, what do we as a people usually mean when we say we didn't know it was that bad? What constitutes our thoughts of what is that bad? And, when and then I, uh, everyone else. Well, what I notice is people of color have a lot of problems with going to see a counselor for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what I've noticed just from working with people of color and other nationalities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the first thing we say, I've heard people say, not myself per se, but other people say is, oh, that means you're crazy. No, mm-hmm. it just means you want to get better or you want to um, have growth, in my opinion. Okay, so let's stop right there. So and mm-hmm. what you've heard is that to talk to someone, okay, because we're talking about mm-hmm. our people, to talk right. to someone about your thoughts and your feelings, whether they be normal or abnormal, mm-hmm. it is it is it's identified as being crazy to talk right. to someone. Okay. Right. All right. So what we're talking about really, and I'm saying this for the call for I'm saying this on the call for the book, we're talking about exposing our vulnerabilities. Yes. To others, especially strangers. That's how we identify a person as crazy. Right. Is that correct or no? Okay. That's okay. correct. That's correct. Okay. Go ahead. Continue with this statement, with your statement. Um, oh, goodness. I forgot where I was. But that's okay. It's going to come back to me. Well, um, I don't even know the last thing I said. What was the last thing I said? You said what you hear is that we say, if you talk to somebody, you're crazy. That we mm-hmm. that, that that's what most people say um, as far as the people of color, that if you talk to anybody, you're crazy. And the question was, um, what do we mean as a people when we say we didn't know it was that bad? Oh, yes, I, domestic violence. Um, I noticed working in healthcare with domestic violence situations, um, women and some men uh, come in and say, well, you know, they thought it would get better. Um, or they have a sense of fear if anybody knows. Um, but that's just overall. But more of color people, I've heard from saying, and that's from me working at the different locations of hospitals. Okay. But when you say men, you mean men as the abuser or the one being abused? Being abused. I've had oh. some cases where the man was the he both, you know, the abuser and being abused. Mm. Okay. We're going to get into that later on. I don't know, you know, what you can discuss, but even just generalities of what that picture looks like because that is something that we just overlook um, as well. Yes, 
Yes, okay. we do. So there is a difference between how we regard emotional intelligence and versus how other cultures regard it, or is there a difference in, uh, as to how we look at, you know, mental health versus how other people look at mental health, other cultures? I think we're getting more educated on it now due to um, different issues that's coming into play in society. Mm-hmm. But I know when um, I was a child and even going through my first marriage, it was more like a hush type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, now I noticed, like, my oldest child, her school didn't have uh, support groups versus my daughter now, who's 12, they have support groups at their school to assist them with bullying and uh, if they have a loss in the family. So I think it's more awareness is coming to play but for all cultures, but not in the past. And we have a long way to go, too. Okay, we still have a long way to go. Okay. Yeah, we still have a long way to go. What is this hush factor? What What is that about amongst black people? Why do you believe, or even if you have to answer it later, why do you mm-hmm. believe we have this hush, don't say nothing, let's look this way, let's present, you know, ourselves in this manner to people, even people of color, even people, right. I, you know. Mm-hmm. That one, after I, I asked my friends that, and I think a lot of it is because a lot of us grew up with what goes on in our house stays in our house. Mm-hmm. Um, And I remember hearing that all the time as a child. <laughs> and I, I think, you know, you better not be telling my business. So that type of thing. And I think it's just molded into us. Well, you know, we can't tell that. That's a family secret. Mm -hmm. Um, But to me, sometimes a family secret can help somebody else. Mm -hmm. For sure. So that's why I'm telling my story. Okay. Um, And if I tell my story and say, for instance, another woman is going through the things that I went through, or anything that she sees that she can relate to that I tell can help her, and she can get out of the situation. Because even though if it's a family member who has mental health, you can still end up getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, and that's what I've seen with domestic violence. I was never physically assaulted, but the emotional part is damaging because it crushes your character. And um, like I said, I used to try to hide everything making it seem like we was a picture-perfect family. And now, like I said, also that my mother was doing the same thing. Okay. So it, you, we want to raise healthy children, and that was my biggest thing. I was like, I see that I, as I was in my 20s and I noticed certain things about him with the controlling part, especially with me, I think my personality is too strong for that. But I, I noticed I didn't want my daughters to have to, See what my what I saw my mother go through. Okay, okay. So no repeated uh, cycles. You just didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I do have to pull a little bit more. So I just want you to talk. But um, the secrets seems to me that we put a lot of value on the secret. I know we all, because even I heard what goes on in my house stays in my house. Mm-hmm. Yes. Don't even, mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't even tell my grandmother if something was going on, you know. Right. 
But That's right, because right, you know they don't play that. But um, why do you think we as a people value the family secrets? It seems like we put almost more emphasis on that on, on keeping everything hush than it is the exposure. What does that say to us as a people if somebody finds out our secrets? What did it say to you? Well, well I'm going to answer that in like a two-part thing. One, I think the hush is about the fact that, oh, I have it together. Because everybody really wants to have it together, which none of us really have it together because then we wouldn't have no room for growth. So... Um, but I think it's a lot about everybody wants to kind of have it together or that didn't happen to me when anything can happen to us at any moment. Um, so that that hush, it it just depends on the person and how strong someone wants to portray themselves to be when all of us have a sensitive side. And I think a lot of people don't want that vulnerability to be out there just to the public. So that maybe um, I don't know if it puts them at risk. Is it a matter of being, of being talked about, of being made fun of, of being you know? Yeah. Okay. It, it puts them at risk, just like any celebrity. When a celebrity business get out there, it just goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. So we, as people, like to watch it, but we don't want to be in that spotlight. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Okay. Well, <laughs> I can attest, attest to that. Um, we we definitely don't. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now let's go back to where you mentioned um you started mimicking um your mother um mm-hmm. in your first marriage. So what is it what similarities did you see with you and your husband and your mom and your dad? I never seen my parents be affectionate to each other. Mm-hmm. And they were in the same house with each other until I was thirteen. Um, I noticed how I was sleeping in one room, he was sleeping in another room. Uh, that was a mimicking thing. Uh, we didn't, we did family activities, but once we hit the door, it, everything went separately. But my parents didn't do any family activities together. Mm-hmm. So that's why I said, I think, okay, inside the house I was, trying, I was doing what she was doing, but outside the house, I was trying to make it seem like everything was okay. 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 All right. Are those the only things that, you you know, you can identify as being, you know, mimicking with your mom? Um, The controlling, too. My father used to be controlling, not as bad as my husband was, ex-husband was, but yeah, the controlling part. It was little controlling factors and I was like and it, it used to like do a light bulb light bulb to me and say oh my father used to just say that my father used to do that mm. now I would have to really think like really hard like it's per se ex, ex, example but I just remember those certain little things okay now um your father, when you say he was controlling, was he controlling you? Was he controlling your mother? I don't know if you do. You have siblings? No, I'm the only child. Okay, so or, or was it just controlling the household, controlling the money? Like what? What did he con- try to control? Um, I think more controlling my mother. Um, 
her emotion. She that's the part where I said she tried to be strong, but she was really still hurting in the inside. So that well, that's another thing about something I mimic from her. She was trying to be strong, but she was emotional on the inside because we just had a conversation since I told her I was writing the book. She said she remembered being in the basement, like, you know, she was supposed to be washing clothes, but she just felt like she was just losing it because she didn't know what to do because she said every time she would mention certain things he would do to our family or whatever, they just kind of, like, turned the other cheek. Why do you think that was? I don't know. She really didn't want to go all into it because my mother's very private. Like, okay, so okay. we're we're very opposite. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm I'm trying to pull more and more out of her since I told her what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm surprised she really didn't say too much about me doing it because, of course, they're going to be mentioned. But uh, it's like it's hard for her to uh, to you know express that part of that Mm -hmm. part of her life. I wish she would tell me more. Like with my daughters, I, I was very open with them uh, about certain topics. Definitely. And you have two Uh, daughters. Yeah, I have two. Okay. All right. Now, why do you think people turn the cheek? Because that seems to be a, a prevalent issue, whether it be, you know, physical abuse or, Mm -hmm you know, what have you, people will see a man beating a woman in the street and they'll walk by, some mm-hmm. some of them. You know, some will get involved, right. some won't. But why do right. you think people turn their, away? I do, that's the part I don't know because my girlfriends or my cousins, I'm all in. Like, mm-hmm. we need to come. I need to come get you. Right. We can fill up my car. I don't even <laughs> care. I don't have a truck. But let's exactly. go. hmm <laughs> Exactly. So I that part I really can't answer. But for my mother, it was nine siblings she had, and and she said only she said once her sister sent her money for her to you know come home because my mother's from Mississippi, but she ended up getting a job, so she ended up staying here. Okay. But she said she really went through it with the finances, and I don't see that part is. It's hard for me to get from her. I don't know if he was taking the money or if she had to give him the money. I don't know the details of that part. Um, but it, she said she they were just hard on finances. We had to move all the time. It was just always a struggle. But I do remember that lately it was, it was like we were struggling. We never had a car. Um, my mother never owned a home. Mom, so, he, of course, my father didn't either. So now, as like I said, as I get older and living my own life, I can tell, yeah, we were really struggling. Okay. All right. And um, now, hold on, let me go back to my question. How did you, when did you recognize, as you, you said you were mimicking some of the things that took place, you know, in your, in your, um, and watching your parents, when did you, realize, wait a minute, not only am I doing the same thing, but this is abnormal. When I started reading my um, first book I read, which was a uh, self-help book, because I ended up taking my daughter to the bookstore because she had a to do a project. 
So since she had to do this project, my oldest daughter is just, she just always loved to be entertained. So I don't, I can't really remember exactly how I got in this, the area of the bookstore, but I ended up purchasing the book and I was reading this book and it's like this particular book, it empowered me. It was a daily devotion book. And it just made me more and more positive. And I started praying more because it was scriptures in there. And um, that's when I started noticing because I'm reading the daily devotions and being empowered was showing me that I wasn't being treated right. Um, From reading Ilana Van Zamp to Joyce Myers, uh, it was was like several different because I kept reading books after book after that. So those books really built up my self-esteem because being called out your name, all the negativity, all the arguing, is just mentally drained. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and when I feel like you are mentally drained as a parent, it affects the children. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Now, are yeah. you a Christian? So, yes. Okay, all right. So I do want to ask you this question. Um, we're talking about the mental health um, issue and aspect amongst the black community. But what do you think about the mental health um, in the Christian community? How do we feel about it? I think it's still the hush factor. (laughs) Okay. I I call it the unknown hush factor because... Mm -hmm. As I was saying earlier, you never know why people turn the cheek because I think that's something that only can be answered individually. Mm-hmm. But like I said, for myself, I find out something like going on with my daughters, I'm there. Right, right. <laughs> different strokes for different folks. But, mm-hmm. okay, all right, maybe there may be some research. I don't know if there's any, you know, if there are any statistics or polls that show uh, why people don't get involved or what have you, but we may want to try and include that so we can discuss yeah. that and um, mm-hmm. expose it so that um, we have more help out here in these streets. Yes, so, yes, so, um, that's right. We'll, we'll, I just wanted to say that for the call. Okay, so reading helped you to identify um, how you were being treated. It helped you to identify that what you went through in your childhood or what you watched in your child in, in between, you know, your relationship with your parents, that that was abnormal. And mm-hmm. reading also um, gave you some type of, I want to say, you said you were empowered, so it gave you the power to do what exactly? Once you seeped in this information, what did you notice changed about you? that I started being numb to anything that my ex-husband was doing. My ex-husband threw tantrums like a little kid. So it was the tantrums of breaking stuff in the house, the cussing, and I really became numb to it. When before I would cry and be upset and argue back with him, when I noticed I stopped arguing back with him and I stopped the tears and turned the tears into prayer, then I... I knew then uh, it gave me more strength to say, oh, no, this is not for me. Okay. Now, was his response different 
different versus when you would argue back and when you would argue back versus your tears turning into prayer. Did he act any different? No. He didn't notice it. He didn't notice. He did he didn't notice it. He did not notice it. He did not react to anything until I left. Oh. Yeah, he never noticed it. See, like I always say, he well, I don't know if I put that in the thing that he a, was a narcissist. So he just knew that, you know, that I call them Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde people. If they act this way, you know, they can persuade you to do this. Because he was always trying to persuade me to think like him. So as long as I was thinking like him or if he threw a tantrum, then I would go ahead and do what he wanted me to do. Um, no, he did not notice it. He never reacted to how I was changing until I actually left the house. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, I'm surprised that, I have to say, I'm surprised that, because usually, you know, they want to provoke. They want to get something out of you. In yeah. order mm-hmm. to to drain you, to keep you um, involved in this cycle, and mm-hmm. I'll just ask you because you're the expert. Do you think that when we respond, because let me back up, you said that when you started reading the books, what started happening to you is that you started. What it sounds like to me is that you did not respond the way you used to. It was almost. It seems to me like you got your emotions under control. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But what I do notice is that women usually leave the relationship way before they actually physically leave. Mm. Because we we are prepared. We're nurturers. Um, we usually organize. We usually plan. Versus when a man leaves, they usually just leave in a haste most of the time, even though whatever, or you know, it's, it's no big deal because mm-hmm. they usually snap right back into whatever they're doing or get another. It, most men get into another relationship really quickly versus a woman. It's, you know, but some women do too, but on a norm, uh, men usually jump into a relationship faster than when a woman does after a divorce, per se. All right. So your emotions were were under control. You started governing your emotions. And he mm-hmm. continued to have his tantrums, so much so that he didn't notice um, when you did start praying. Is that correct? Right. He didn't notice because I wasn't, I would be just praying because I feel like you can pray anywhere. Mm-hmm, so right. when he would start, he would start that cussing or whatever, I just start praying to myself because I mm-hmm. think God can hear any whisper. So, yeah. um, and I, I, I tell people, too, your tears are, are prayers, too. Mm-hmm. Because you you know you have to have that connection. So yeah, no, he didn't know. He was just trying to get his point across. Oh, so he wow. was just trying to be so controlling. He just wanted to get his point across. So I really believe that by me being quiet, he felt he was intimidating me. Oh, so I didn't have nothing to say. But he didn't even realize that not intimidating me. I just don't even have nothing to say because I'm in tune with, with my God right now. So. Right. What do you yeah. think would have happened had he known that you were flipping the switch? 
that you um, by his personality and always trying to be that Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, trying to either buy me something. Like I said, I had the cars and the jewelry and all that stuff at a young age uh, to purchase me something to um, make me feel like he was changing, as he always would, would pretend to say that he was doing, hmm. something of that nature. So let me ask you, he would buy you something to convince you or make you feel like or think that he was changing. Or that I was special. Okay. Or that he was sorry for calling me out of my name. Now, was that in response to a threat? In other words, did he feel that... Um, you were going to leave him, or this was just the cycle of madness, or this was um, he started to feel remorseful. Why do you think he started? I know, I know, you know, to make you feel special, but what was his motive behind making you feel special? Well, now and more and more I talk to my family members, I've heard that he used to tell them, which I didn't know this, uh, that I was going to leave him. Oh, because we had that seven-year gap. So I was younger than him. I was going to leave him, and I was going to go get somebody else. This is what I'm, this, as, like I said, there's a lot of stuff I'm finding out now since I told my family I'm going to write this book. Um, And I, a lot of stuff I, more I got to tell you. That's why they ask me anything because I found out a lot now. Okay. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Um, so, yeah, I did not know that that he always felt that I was going to leave him. Okay. So after he would do the damage, he would come back to try and repair mm-hmm. so that you would stay. Right. And eventually the damage would happen again, and then he would do the repair mm-hmm. so that yep. you would stay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because he was really good at fixing things, so whatever he broke, if you come back to the house in two hours, it's, it's repair. You didn't even know what was he broke something. Oh. Like, I remember an incident where he broke the leg off of the coffee table. And I think I went to the back of the house. I didn't come back up to the front of the house till later on. The whole the table leg was repaired. So he would have a tantrum and go right back to being like, you'd be like, oh, okay then. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, let me ask you in that particular instance. When the leg was repaired, did he act like everything was okay, or was he still angry? Or Mm-mm. he would go right back to acting like everything was okay. Huh. Mhm. Okay. All right. So the, maybe um, him repairing the leg was, you know, an outward expression of, I guess, you know, him feeling better about the situation. Yeah. I oh. guess so. Or, but then with him breaking it, then I could say then I guess that would show how angry he was. Right, right, I, yeah. obviously. Now, was he physically mm-hmm. abusive to you at all? No, I. he was never physically abusive to me. It was the mental and emotional. And I really believe that he knew if he hit me, that would be the last straw because he knew I had family. Mm. So he, we could cover up the fact that he called me a bitch but we can't cover up if he dot my eye. Oh, okay. So yeah. 
with that being said, do you think that um you think that people put different values on mental, emotional, and physical abuse? You think they feel one is worse than the other? Yes, yes. Because, see, if if someone asks you, did you call her a bitch, you can deny it. But if that person hits you and you have a scar, they can't deny that. Right. So one is worse than the other because of the physical evidence is what you're saying. That's right, right. Okay. All right. I understand. Ooh, I can tell I'm in for a ride. <laughs> oh yeah, you're gonna be like, whoa! <laughs> yeah. Like the stuff I found out, and I know you, you'll probably it probably help you bring up the next question. I would just mm-hmm. let you know this: I found out um, how some of my family members were still in contact with him. Um, oh. Went to different events he had. And I didn't know nothing about it while I'm going through this messy divorce. Um, so that, like, you know, triggered my loyalty type thing because I'm like, you know, I was going through all this with him and all the different things, little things he did, even turned into bigger things. Why would you still be bothered with him? But, see, he portrayed himself to, oh, she left me. Uh, one of my cousins just told me he said that I left him and I had a boyfriend. Oh. Okay. So that, to me, he always tried to make himself look like the good guy after I left because he got to still have this certain image. Um, And I was just leaving him, and it was all my fault. So here we go back to this desire, and I don't know if it's just more prevalent in the black community or if it's just us as people, as souls, to want to have it all together. Mm-hmm. The yes. extreme what? that we will go through just to mm-hmm. make somebody else approve us, or to or to make the other person look bad. Mm. I I call it where, you know, uh, instead of everybody getting getting together, pulling each other up, and all of us leveling up, you stepping on all these different people to make yourself look like you're on top. So that's what I, that's how I feel that he did. He wanted to say all this negative stuff about me to make himself look like, oh, no, I'm the perfect husband. It was her. She had a boyfriend. She cheated. She did this. She did that. Okay. And no, and he, he okay. All right. Yeah. So when, um, what made you finally decide to talk about it in a book? No less. Um, the things I see at work, I have seen at work. Um, different uh, with you know with patients and like I said, domestic violence, uh, mental health patients that came in off the street because I worked at one hospital where we get nothing but homeless people. Um, another reason, the cost of medication because they need medication to function. Um. And I know that's something, too, my mother mentioned to me that my father would never take his medicine, but if he took his medicine, he would act fine. But if he didn't take his medicine, it was always a problem. Oh, wait now. Because, you yeah. know, us black folk, even if we're more prone to go and talk to, to talk to somebody, we're not really prone to the pill. That's right. Yeah. 
Now, so she you... said she, she couldn't, she could never get, and see, I, it's like I said, cool and tea. I, if I could get more information out of her, I know, that, yeah, I would be really good. But um, mm-hmm. she said he would never take his medicine, never. Did she, did she ever say why? No, she never said why. She said it was just hard to get him to take his medication. Mm. Now, why do you think we as a people don't, we turn our face to talking to somebody, but we turn our face to medicine? Because that's like admitting that we're sick. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, that's admitting admitting that we're sick. That goes back to the part where it's nothing wrong with me. I got it all together. (laughs) Wow! Oh my! my and who God. wants to? And at the end of the day, who really wants to be sick? Nobody mm-hmm. wakes up and says, "I'm going. I want to be sick today." Well, you know, little kids when they want to go to school, but I'm just right. saying, you know, the regular adult, nobody wants to be sick. So, no, we don't want to take the pills. We don't want to take med. Even you'll get non-compliant people with diabetes or mm-hmm. non-compliant yeah. people with hypertension. So you know, if you have to take a mental health medication. You don't want to take that. Mm. So it's all across the board with Mm -hmm. um, the pills. We just don't want to take the pills. But yet Mm -hmm. we don't want to admit that we may have made our condition worse or we may have been the, the, you know, protagonist of it. Right. So, you know, if we eat better, we don't have to take the diabetes, you know, diabetes. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And sometimes we worsen the condition if we're born with it or what have you. So Or just, it's hereditary or, yeah. Right, right. So if we admit or if we take the pill, that means that we're admitting to either this just happened to me or I did this. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because what's that thing where, well, I'm just getting grasped to it. We are what we eat. What we right. put in our body, we have a choice to put in our body. We have a choice between salad and French fries. But French fries taste better with a burger. Well, sure you know. You <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. So, but we're not looking at the consequences through time that breaks down our bodies. And as we get older, if we don't take vitamins or if we don't go to the doctor, just like men, most men hate to go to the doctor. Like my husband now hates to go to the doctor. But if I make the appointment, he'll go. But right. he's not about to, I'm going to the doctor. No, that's mm. him. Mm. Okay. Um, let's go back to consequences. Because mm-hmm. you said we don't look at the long term. We don't look at, you know, what's coming down the pipeline. And when you look at um, even black celebrities compared to and compared to other, you know, celebrities of different cultures, we spend a lot more. I think we, my husband and I were just watching the Super Bowl, and you see the owners in, you uh-huh. know, button down and a tie. Uh-huh. But That's you right. saw Puffy and Floyd, they got on the chinchilla and, you know, uh-huh. everything else. So That's we, right. we have a tendency to um, to spend. Um, uh-huh. And they have a t- others have a tendency to delay their gratification. So mm-hmm. what is it about us? Because we're going to talk to everybody, but we definitely want to make sure that we, you know, keep us in mind throughout the book. What is it about us that likes that immediate gratification from health to wealth? 
Why do we want that? You know, my husband, Nick, we were talking about that, and it's always, I think it's because we always had to struggle. We still had that same mentality going over and over again, like um, like with finances. A lot of us are just learning about finances. A lot of us is learning about saving for retirement. We like to live for the right now right. versus others who they plan. They could have the same job as us, making the same money, but why is it they have a bigger house? Well, because they either got uh, a lump sum of money from a grandparent, which our grandparent only had burial insurance. Their grandparents had a full life insurance policy. So, is you know, once we make it to any level, it's like, oh, yeah, we did it. So now let me go buy a Cadillac, which I don't like Cadillac. So that's why I use that term. Okay. Yeah. So that is like we have to do something to let people know we made it. And I think that's why social media now is like it is. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, look what I bought today. Or I'm checking in here. I get to go here. Yeah. Absolutely. I noticed that. Okay. Yeah. So um, you said because of the struggle, and then you mentioned that, you know, when we finally get it, it's almost like we're struggling to, to rest. Like yes. we finally made it to this place, and we think it's okay to rest, but it's really mm-hmm. not. That's really the time right. to dig in deeper and keep going. But because mm-hmm. of the struggle, now I'm going to say this, and you let me know how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. Our ancestors had to struggle. We don't really have their struggle. We right. have we have experiences, but we don't necessarily have their um, struggle. So with us having the opportunities that we do have today, whether we make them or whether we, uh, you know, use somebody else to, you know, help bring them about, however it goes, why is it that we, it almost seems like we're still tormented um, by the effects of what they went through and we allow mm-hmm. it because to uh, because they are strong, they were strong, what they endured was, oh, my gosh, it was atrocious what they had yes. to endure. We mm-hmm. haven't necessarily had to go that route in order to do what it is that we do, but it almost seems like, there's um, a, a hereditary or an inheritance of torment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, because we say we we struggling, you know, we have the projects, but we don't have the outhouse. That's right. That's right. And I think a lot of us don't realize how far we came. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good. I think it's. I, me personally, I feel like we should should all support each other. But it's still that division because now you have buy black, buy black on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's have our own this or let's have our own that. Yeah, we should do that too. But at the same time, if we all work together, we could all rise higher. But it's still that split division. When you say work together, you're talking about black people, white people, Asian people, or you just mean mm-hmm. black Yeah, people. everybody, everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because to me, like, from working, when we bleed, we all bleed the same way. Um, 
we if we're in a car accident, we don't care who say okay. you really not gonna say, Oh, get me a black doctor. Uh no, you just wanna live. Right. <laughs> so it could be an Asian ain't... doctor. Mhm. Right. And you're not gonna <laughs> suffer talking about ain't no black owned hospital, so I'm gonna stay in and die. Yeah. We're not right. doing that. So hmm. Okay, we also need to discuss the discrepancies that we have because we have a lot of things that are acceptable and a lot of things that, you know, aren't depending on, you know, where we where we are and and, and our experiences. Okay, so um, our experiences, and I'm going to just, you know, kind of sum it up. Our experiences, I had a therapist that said it to me this way. We bring our childhood into our adulthood. Would you agree? Yes, yes. Okay. That's where I say the part about the mimicking. Um, and that's the part where, like you said, me writing this book, I want women, I want people in general to know, you need to look for the signs of you being in a relationship. Because when I, I put marriage like this, people get together, you really are two strangers that came from two different backgrounds two different households, mm. two different families. Okay. So just like the movie, Sleeping with an Enemy, you really don't know what your spouse doing when they're not with you. They could be living a whole totally different life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because they can't, they can't, like I said, you're coming together from two different backgrounds. So you're trying to get this balance between two personalities, mm-hmm. which that's where the part where the compromising comes in. But you also have to pay attention to are you being valued? Are you being respected? Um, And I think that's a lot of things that people don't check into before they jump into marriage. It's like, oh, we're about to have a party. We're having a wedding. Well, we need to be checking. uh, Let me go see a family reunion and see how many people there and (laughs) and who are your family and what kind of illnesses did you have before you have children with these people? Because, like I, like you said, our childhood, it, it spills over into our adulthood. And if you want to have a healthy household lifestyle, not saying things won't happen, those are things that you really need to pay attention to. And I come from a big family on both sides, and I have 22 aunties. I just really wish... <laughs> I really wish one of them had a sat down with me and said, do you really love him? Did you check this? Did you check that? So by me writing this book and I'm not having any siblings, that is my way of getting the word out. Did you look at this? Did you check that? Is he doing, you have to look at those things before you get into a relationship. So you're going to be Auntie Tam from afar to many. From afar, yes. Since I have no nieces and nephews, yes, I am. Okay. So, and and that's what my whole goal is. I that's something that I really wish someone had to sat down with me and and talk to me about. Mm-hmm. Would you still have married them if they did? Uh, no, okay. no, because I think as long as you have a support system, you don't you don't venture off into that. Somebody's not talking. It's a difference in talking to you and talking at you. So if someone has a conversation with you and talk to you and for you see it for your betterment and your well-being, then no, I, I don't think I would have still married him. Okay. 
All right, I understand. Um, okay, let me check this. All right, so we went over what I'm going to do some more research. What I usually do is I go back over the call, mm-hmm. and then I pull from that. We discussed that in the beginning of the next call, and then we're on to, if you want to say, the next topic or the next subject. Um I'm going to go back over this call, and, okay. but this really lays down, excuse me, the introduction. Okay. This lays down, I keep burping. I'm so sorry. I had oxtails for dinner. <laughs> so, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> this really does lay down um, the introduction so we can help people understand where you're coming from and why you're doing what it is that you're doing and the overall goal. It seems to me okay. that we really have to shoot down this um, sense of generational um, silence and 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 really shoot down this this inability. I won't say inability. And we have to shoot down this decision not to look toward the future. But I call it breaking the cycle. Okay. All right. So That's what gonna... I always tell my daughter. I, I my my oldest is twenty four. Hmm. I always tell her break the cycle. Because she'll tell me something about a guy, I'll be like, mm-mm, mm-mm, ask it. him this. Ask mm-hmm. him this, and then come back and tell me what he said. And she oh. just was dating one guy. She said, Ma, you was right. I said, see, mm-hmm. this is why we have to have these conversations. Right, right. Because... I'm not keeping nothing from them because I know I won't always be here with them, but it's my job. God gives you your children to protect them. And that's why I'm going to tell, like, she's an adult. She's a full-grown adult. So I'm going to tell her what it is. And, mm-mm, he don't, oh. that ain't right. <laughs> right. Got to gotta make sure that they know. Now, I noticed that it sounds like we're going to be helping the people, the people who are suffering from being with somebody who's um, narcissistic. Mm-hmm. People who we're going to help them identify who is narcissistic by the way they're being treated, but are we going to help those who are narcissistic to be able to identify themselves as such throughout this book? Well, I didn't even think about that. That's a good question. That's why I said ask me anything. Um, we could. We could do that too. Okay. Um, yeah, we could do that too, but most of the time narcissistic people don't think they're narcissistic. So. No, they don't. They don't realize that. <laughs> they yeah. don't. But you know how, you know, my grandmother used to slip in some cod liver oil and some orange juice. We can kind of use that method, and by the, mm-hmm. you know, so that they can understand. Hey, wait a minute, that sounds a little bit like me, and that yeah. sounds a little bit like me. And I don't really want to identify with this kind of person no more. You know, let me, mm-hmm. you know, dig a little deeper. Okay, I just wanted yeah. to know if that was a route you wanted to take. And the being that it's record a recorded call, we can always revisit the call and go over it. Okay. But um, okay. So next Friday, next Friday, Lord, next Thursday, are you available at seven again? Yes, I am. Uh, this is the time my daughter is at dance, so it's always perfect. Um, I'm I'm not doing anything, okay. <laughs> but waiting for her to finish her dance class. Okay, so from seven to seven a.m. seven p.m. to eight a.m. eight p.m. You're available mm-hmm. every Thursday. Every Thursday, yes. Okay, so we'll continue to keep this time. I won't, you know, give up this slot and um, just 
every Thursday. We don't have to send any reminders. Just be on the line. Um, okay. I, if I don't hear, if you if I get on the line and you're not there, I'll send you a text. Now that I have your phone number, I meant to get that. Okay. But I'll send That'll you work. a text. And then if after 15 minutes you're not on a call, I'm going to hang up, and then we just have to reschedule the call. But I'll be on okay. there, and we just meet on, uh, on Thursday at 7. That'll work. All righty. It was nice talking to you, Tam. You too. You too. Like I said, ask me anything. Um, I'm open to whatever. Okay. Uh, So we can get this done because I I feel like, well, this was on my five-year goal to complete. So I want to get it done. Yeah, so I'm with you on that, and I'm excited to be a part. I really am. Okay. All right, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. Okay, have a good weekend. You too. All right. All right. Bye-bye.